From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Monday edition, as Russia has resorted to bombarding cities, which their ground forces could not take, urban areas have been flattened and thousands of Ukrainian civilians have been killed. In an interview with 60 Minutes, which aired yesterday, Ukrainian President Zelensky pledged that the Ukrainian people would fight on if they are given the military hardware they need. All depends on how fast we will be helped by the United States. To be honest, whether we will be able to survive depends on this. I have 100 percent confidence in our people and in our armed forces, but unfortunately I don't have the confidence that we will be receiving everything we need. Will the U.S. provide for those needs? We'll talk about it in just a moment. And Republican members of the House may have a wake-up call for woke corporate America. For years, corporate America has looked to conservatives for favorable tax and regulatory policies while supporting the left's social agenda. But is a time of reckoning coming? Coming, Congressman Mike Johnson of Louisiana will join me. He's the vice chair of the House Republican Conference, and he'll... Have some insight on that topic. Also, how significant will the lifting of the Title 42 pandemic restrictions impact illegal immigration at the southern border? As bad as the crisis has been for the past 14 months, I think Title 42 in many ways has masked the the, the real crisis. And so you're going to see a surge come uh, the 23rd of May uh, for the next several months. That was former Acting Secretary of Homeland Security Chad Wolf over the weekend on Fox News' Unfiltered with Dan Bongino. We'll talk with Ken Cuccinelli, former acting deputy secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, about the situation and what Americans can expect when the Biden administration lifts this restriction. Will women's sports become the latest casualty in the left's culture war? We'll talk with the former secretary of education under Donald Trump, Betsy DeVos, later here on Washington Watch. And speaking of the transgender fixation of the Biden administration... Every major medical association agrees that gender-affirming health care for transgender kids is a best practice and potentially life-saving. That was White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki last week. What does the science really say? Not what they want you to think it says. We'll talk with Dr. Jennifer Bowens, director of the Center for Family Studies here at the Family Research Council, about what the science really says. If you miss anything on your way home, it's TonyPerkins.com. Everything's archived right there. We invite you to share that with your friends as well. Lots of resources at TonyPerkins.com. Our verse for today coming from our Stand on the Word, a Bible reading plan, is Deuteronomy 20, verses 3 and 4. Do not let your heart faint, do not be afraid, and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to save you. That was the encouraging and reassuring word the priest was to deliver to the army of Israel as they would be facing bigger and better equipped enemies as they took possession of the land God had promised them. Here's the bottom line. Where God leads us, he goes with us. And as Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? I invite you to join us in our two-year Bible reading plan. Go to frc.org slash Bible. I also invite you to join me each morning at 8.44 a.m. Eastern Time for a daily devotional based on the daily reading plan. You can find it either at TonyPerkins.com or on my Facebook page. Well, over the weekend, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson embarked on a secretly planned trip to Kiev to tour the streets with Ukrainian President Zelensky. He, he, uh, President Zelensky, called on leaders of the Western democracies to follow the example of the United Kingdom. Zelensky also met with the federal chancellor of Austria, whom he praised for visiting Ukraine, adding later that such visits, visits by leaders in European countries is a great signal. Yesterday, when asked whether or not President Biden will visit Kiev, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan told Meet the Press hosts Chuck Todd that he currently doesn't have any plans to do so. President Biden has been to Kiev before. Uh, he looks forward to going to Kiev again, but uh, we're not currently uh, planning a trip. Is the Biden administration doing enough to support Ukraine? Here to discuss this and more is U.S. Congressman 
Mike Johnson. He is a member of the House Armed Services Committee. He is also the vice chair of the House Republican Conference, and he represents the 4th Congressional District of Louisiana. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony. Great to be with you, as always. Well, let's talk about the situation uh, in Ukraine with uh, the Russians unable to advance with their ground forces. They've resorted to bombing many of the urban areas. Thousands have died. But yet uh, the resolve of the Ukrainian people seems to be extremely strong. But they're continuing to look to other countries, as the U.S., for the military materiel they need to be successful. Are we going to be able to provide it? Well, that's a great question. We hope so. You know, President Biden has delayed deterrence. He's delayed the delivery of lethal aid to the Ukrainians. And it, it's it's really interesting, very important, I think, to note. They, they, they put up a heroic effort there, of course. They're not asking for American military boots on the ground there. They're asking for the ability to fight back. As, as we've seen in recent days, there's a real chance they could win this conflict with Russia, but they will not be able to do that. They certainly can't prevail if the Biden administration continues to sit on its hands and not deliver the weapons that, that are sorely needed and that we, we are prepared to provide. You know, I, I don't think anybody wants to send U.S. troops into Ukraine, but that does not mean that we don't need a strong military. I mean, our military needs to be prepared to go wherever, whenever to protect American interest. I mean, it it is becoming quite evident that America's or under the Biden administration, America's military's distraction with the social programs and other things that they're pushing makes America look weak on the national, on the global stage. We are projecting weakness on the world stage. There's no question about it. And, and you and I are, are fond of Reagan's doctrine of peace through strength. And, of course, that's been the history, the tradition of our nation. We maintain the peace through, through our strength. Uh, and, and even the perception of a weak America uh, creates a danger for free people all around the world, uh, terrorists and tyrants and, and, uh, and, and, and leaders like, like Putin. Uh, use this as an opportunity. And so that's the dangerous situation we find ourselves in. The White House has failed on every count in that regard, and there are real-world consequences for that. We're seeing headlines today that, uh, you know, 10,000 uh, civilians have been killed in the latest uh, onslaught by Russia. This is uh, taking a very real toll, and it's encouraging other terrorists and tyrants uh, uh, around the country, China and uh, our other adversaries. So, uh, this is uh, this is a, a very serious matter. Congress has been weighing in on this since last winter. I mean, we were getting intel, Tony. Everybody knows now. As early as November, we knew that this was a reality that Russia was arming on the border that they would do this. And the Biden administration has dragged its feet the entire time. It sent exactly the opposite message, and um, and it is a threat to liberty around the world. This is a very very serious time. Congressman Johnson, I'm going to switch gears uh, back to domestic issues. Republicans in the House have sent a letter to the chief administrative officer of the House of Representatives. You have been spearheading this effort, urging the office to terminate the House's contract with the banking giant Citigroup. Uh, Tell us what that's about. Well, we want them to immediately uh, terminate the contract with Citigroup. They are the financial institution that has the exclusive contract to handle all of house offices. We use uh, those credit cards, every house office does, to, to you know fund travel and, and office supplies and all of the various expenses that are needed on a daily operation of our offices. City has the entire, you know, the monopoly on that, uh, on, on, on that enterprise. But here's the problem. They sent a letter to their shareholders in advance of their April stakeholder meeting, and they boasted about how they would fund the travel of city employees, city group employees, to travel to obtain abortions across state lines. They would circumvent effectively uh, the rules, the laws in states like, like mine in Louisiana uh, and, and other pro-life states, and they would, they would send employees and they would pay for it. So that's a real problem for us. As everyone knows, the legislative branch of the United States government, the federal government, has long held to hide protections and our other policy riders that prevent the use of taxpayer dollars, not even a cent, on the provision uh, or, or the, the pain for the expenses of, a, of an abortion. So this flies right in the face, the spirit of our policies, the, the, the letter of the law. And we think this they have forfeited, forfeited, I think, Tony, the right to do business with the House of Representatives. And it sounds as if they could even be violating laws in uh, states like Texas where they are pledging to do this. 
Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, it, this already happens in, in, in our corner of the world. Louisiana is a very pro-life state, but to use us as an example, uh, my largest city in my district is Shreveport, Louisiana, situated in the northwest corner of the state. Um, it's the largest abortion center in the state, even greater numbers than New Orleans and Baton Rouge, which are larger cities, because uh, persons are, are transported here from from outlying areas. And so uh, you'll have cities like that and situations like that. If, if the Dobbs case comes down, as many of us expect, and we have a, a change and the decision to abortion re- reverts to the states where it has always belonged, you'll have 100 percent pro-life states. And this this looks to us as the city group is trying to get out in front of that and, and send a, a, a wink and a nod, this woke corporate stuff that they're doing, to tell everyone, hey, don't worry about it. We'll transport them into pro-abortion states and take care of it for you. We're not going to be a part of that. The House of Representatives should not be a party to this in any way. And if our credit cards fund that in any way, we need to back out of it. And we're going to demand that. I had 45 of my colleagues sign on to a letter uh, demanding this action, Tony, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. Congressman Johnson, as we are seeing more and more blatant advocacy by corporate America backing up, supporting, advocating the left's social policies, but historically they've looked to Republicans, conservatives, for favorable tax and regulatory policy, is a day of reckoning coming for corporate America? I think that is certainly uh, a, a true statement. I, look, there is a great concern, alarm even, amongst my colleagues. We're expecting a big red wave election in November, as everyone, you know, all the pollsters right, left, and center all agree now will happen. And when it does, uh, we will be doing a full-scale review of all these kinds of things. I think corporate America has taken all of us for granted. They've taken conservatives for granted. They've taken the grassroots for granted. Uh, and I think those days are numbered. People are, are, are wising up to this. They see what's happening, and they don't want any part of it. And so I think there's going to be a backlash. I think the, the on the political uh, wave, I think you'll see that in November, but I think you'll see the reverberation of this throughout the culture for some time to come, and it could not happen soon enough. Well, I think with Governor DeSantis and, and – uh... Governor Kemp in uh, Georgia, all standing up to corporate America when they oppose their policies, whether it be election reform or whether it be parental rights. Um, I think it, it's a new era in in politics. And I think, look, I think corporate America should tell them, hey, sit down with the squad and work out your tax policy. If you want to push their social agenda, sit down with them and let them work on your tax policy. I, that, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, we've been so encouraged to see that kind of leadership in, in, in Florida and Texas and other states. And uh, when, when leaders show backbone, it inspires backbone in others. And I, I think that um, I think out in the grassroots, I know my constituents, the people that I represent, Tony, I mean, this is kind of a microcosm of, of the whole country here in north and west Louisiana. They've had enough. They are tired of being taken advantage of. They are tired of these elitists in these corporate boardrooms, um, you know, uh, uh, abusing their, their 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 privileges, so to speak. And so people are going to begin to use and walk with their money. I, I love the backlash against Disney with all their new woke culture nonsense that they've announced. Um, you know, we have neighbors who have canceled trips here in the last couple of weeks. There will be more and more of that. And I think that will get the attention of corporate America. I well, certainly hope so. And it helps when we have leaders like yourself, Governor DeSantis, Governor Kemp, and others who are stepping out and taking these corporate giants on toe-to-toe. And uh, thanks for taking on Citigroup and their advocacy for abortion. Always great to see you, Mike. Thanks so much for being with us. You too, Tony. Thanks so much. Keep up great work. All right. All right, folks, coming up, the Biden administration's plan to terminate Title 42 is being met by growing opposition, including Democrats. We'll talk about it next with Ken Cuccinelli. Don't go away. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. 
With the current division and confusion of our culture, it is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org subscriptions. At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. There is growing bipartisan opposition to the Biden administration's plan to terminate Title 42. Now, this was uh, the Trump-era order that gives Border Patrol agents the power to turn away migrants on public health grounds. Now, on Thursday, Republican Senator James Langford of Oklahoma and Democratic Senator Kristen Sinema of Arizona introduced the Public Health and Border Security Act to prevent the administration from ending the Title 42 emergency authority until at least 60 days after the ending of the COVID-19 national emergency declaration. Now, similar legislation was introduced in the House by a Representative Tony Gonzalez of Texas and Jared Golden of Maine. With Border Patrol officials planning for as many as 18,000 encounters a day once Title 42 is terminated in May 23rd, the, the question is, will the Biden administration reconsider or will it continue to add fuel to the crisis at the southern border? It has already been seeing record numbers of illegal immigrants crossing the border. Joining me now to talk about this is Ken Cuccinelli, former acting deputy secretary the Department of Homeland Security, who has also served as the attorney general for the state of Virginia. Ken, welcome back to the program. Good to be with you, Tony. All right. Just uh, in case we've got some we've talked about this a lot, but just let our viewers and listeners know what Title 42 is, what it does. So Title 42 refers to the public health code of federal law. And under that Title, Title 42, CDC issued a border order in March of 2020 due to the COVID outbreak. And so at that point, most of the Department of Homeland Security dealing with border security, border patrol, ICE, and so forth, um, we were returning over 85% of illegal border crossers in under two hours using public health law, not immigration law. So same area, still the border, but it's a different legal basis. And literally in under two hours, it was an amazing logistical accomplishment. And one of the things, as bad as the Biden open borders policy has been, it may be shocking to some people, especially on our side, to learn over half of all illegal border crossers are still being returned to Mexico today under the Title 42 authority. So not only will taking it down dramatically increase 
the number of illegal border crossers, but the ones who are coming in today, more of them will be released into the country instead of removed from the country. It's a very dramatic change in an already overwhelmed border. Of course, it was a it was a policy driven by the pandemic, but it was also a useful ter- tool in curbing uh, illegal immigration into the country, which is why, to some degree, I think the Biden administration has hung on to it because the underlying immigration policy that uh, has been in place is not working. Um, you know very well the capability and capacity of the border patrol on our southern border, our processing. What is this going to do to the system if we have such a huge influx? I mean, some are anticipating even a million more coming in over the next uh, the six weeks after this is this uh, is lifted. Look, this is um, most people watching your show, Tony, think this is a terrible mistake and so forth. You have to remember, this is intentional policy by this president. That's why he picked Alejandro Mayorkas to be his Secretary of Homeland Security, because he is a vehement believer in open borders. And the policies, such as they are, that are being utilized on the border, achieve the opposite of border security. If you know street cops in major cities, ask them the street price of drugs other than marijuana, because everything comes over that southern border now, everything whether it's fentanyl, heroin, meth, uh, cocaine, you name it. And those prices have plummeted because it is so easy for the drug cartels to get their product across because they use the same tactics and the same pipelines as they move the illegal aliens across. And by the way, they, of course, make big money off of moving those illegal aliens as well. well maybe they should. Maybe the Biden administration should let them take care of their supply chain crisis. Uh, because they don't seem to have any problem getting the drugs across the border like nope. we do, like they do with uh, legitimate uh, business transactions. Right. Uh, l- let's talk just for a moment. I mean, you've got a background in politics. You were elected to, to as attorney general of Virginia, ran for governor. We're seeing Democrats now come out opposed to the lifting of yeah. this policy. We have a midterm election coming up. Does that show that there is a fault line emerging within the Democratic Party over this issue of immigration? So the fault line with their voters has been there since really last spring. Um, I don't often put a lot of stock in polling, but, Tony, Democrat, self-identified Democrat voters have been overwhelmingly against this president's policies since last spring. So now we're approaching the election, and lo and behold, the elected officials are starting to ring the alarm bell. Um, I'm, I know you have talked about Henry Cuellar and some of the other border Democrats. You mentioned Kristen Cinema from Arizona. Um, they have, frankly, been speaking up before now. Mark Kelly, Democrat running for re-election in Arizona, is going to have very significant problems because of this. And he's trying to hedge his bets, but it's a little bit late for that. He should have been using his 51st Senate position to move budget dollars to actually force this administration to enforce the law on the border. But he has not done that. And he's going to be in trouble in this election, as are all the border Democrats. Uh, Ken, we're we're up against a break out of time. I I, want to sit down at some point and and explore this question. I want to ask you very quickly. That is... Do you see a solution to the immigration crisis anytime in the near future? Yes, but it has to come from the states, and that's going to take political courage on the part of Governors Doug Ducey and Greg Abbott. The states have constitutional authority to repel invasions. I don't think there's any serious question that our southern border is uh, all four of our border states are being invaded. I don't think the Democrat governors will buck this administration. But Governor Abbott and Governor Ducey should take their authority and use it responsibly and protect their states and thereby protect America by turning people back at the border. We'll explore that uh, in greater detail uh, later. Ken, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for coming on today. Good to be with you, Tony, as always. All right, folks, coming up this June will mark the 50th anniversary of the Title IX for Education. 
Is it at risk? We talk about it next with Betsy DeVos. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. You're listening to Washington Watch, and I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com. This coming June will mark the 50th anniversary of the Title IX of Education Amendments of uh, 1972 that is best known for how it increased female participation in sports by giving female athletes the right to equal opportunity in sports and educational institutions that receive federal funds. Well, ahead of that anniversary, the Biden administration is expected to propose rules to rewrite its regulations, implementing Title IX in a way that would, among other things, unquestionably damage athletic opportunities for women in schools, colleges and universities and wreak havoc on Title IX's requirements to establish and maintain a level playing field for women in athletics. Here to talk about this is the former Secretary of Education under Donald Trump, Betsy DeVos, uh, who uh, served, as I mentioned, in the Trump administration. Secretary DeVos, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tony. It's great to be with you. You're, uh, you, you swam competitively as, a, as an athlete. Um, we're seeing this issue debated across the nation now with what's been happening at uh, Penn State. And the American public, they see this as patently unfair, This is not something that should be happening. But yet the policy seems to be moving forward by this administration that would destroy women's sports. Tell our viewers about that. Well, uh, Tony, as we understand it, the proposed rule that the the Biden administration is advancing would expand the definition of sex, which we all have understood to mean biological sex since Title IX was passed in 1972 while I was swimming competitively as a high school swimmer. But it will expand that definition and would essentially serve to ruin and and kill women's sports because it would allow biological males to participate in women's sports, um, basically unfettered, untethered. And um, I mean, we all like I was not that great of a swimmer. I was a good swimmer, but I wasn't a great swimmer. If I had to compete against uh, biological males as well, I I can't even imagine. I probably wouldn't have swum. And I don't know that uh, a lot of other young women who would have that to face in the future would really put in the time and the energy and the work to do the things that they need to do to be competitive. 
if they know that they're going to, uh, you know, potentially be facing uh, men in, in the in the swim lanes or in in the competition against them, and so uh, this is a real frontal attack on uh, the the equality of opportunity that Title IX sought to uh, bring to um, all women across America. And um, it's the second time, frankly, that this this administration and the predecessor in uh, the Obama administration have have really, um, you know, they've weapon they've tried to weaponize Title IX in ways that have been so ill served, so poorly serving uh, the young people that they're supposed to be actually helping to give opportunity to. So, Secretary DeVos, is is this the end of women's sports if these changes go forward? Well, if the changes go forward as they have proposed or as that we understand they are proposing, it would effectively kill women's sports because you cannot say on the one hand that all women should have, uh, all young women should have equal opportunity to participate in sports, and then on the other hand, say uh, a, a you know individual who is a biological male can decide to compete as a woman and um, and and do so. The, the, those those two that, that Venn diagram doesn't intersect. Right. right. Um, it, it really would. Uh, it really would impact. Um, all women in in a negative way in the long term, and uh, it, it's it's a you know an area that we have to I think really raise voices about to make sure what that everyone knows what this administration is proposing to do and really fight it. You you wrote a piece about this, and you point out the fact that there are biological differences between men and women. Uh, men have Absolutely. greater capability and capacity to swim. That's why we go back 50 years and we allowed women to have their own competitive sports so that they could have an equal and even playing field. And men over here, I mean, this what what's happened to these people who say they follow the science? Well, uh, the party, the, the party that claims to follow the science, uh, it seems that the only science they really want to follow in this case and in others uh, we saw with uh, so many of the COVID mandates and lockdowns and what have you, um, and now they're claiming to want to be following the science as well, but it, it appears the only science that they really are following is the political science and really playing to the far left fringe of their party in a way that is going to be wholly detrimental to young women nationwide. So true. Uh, that's about the only science that they know is the political science. And it, they're not even that good at that because the American people are not with them on this one. Secretary DeVos, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, speaking out on this. I think it's an important issue. Well, thanks, Tony. Great to see you and great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, the science, the science, the science. These folks wouldn't know science if it ran over them. They think somehow they can use that word and the rest of America doesn't actually read the science. We're going to talk about this next. Uh, we're going to talk about the science. What does the science say when it comes to transgender youth? The administration last week saying that, oh, we've got to allow them to have access to these surgeries and to these hormones and all of this because that's good for them. Is it? Is that what the science says? I don't think so. We're going to talk about it next here on Washington Watch. You don't want to miss this conversation. We're going to talk with Jennifer Valens, who is here at the Family Research Council. She knows a little bit about this, and we're going to talk about it. So stick with us. We're coming back with more Washington Watch on the other side of the break. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets, and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard 
by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students, are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, in case you didn't know this, June is Pride Month. But, just check it. The LGBT lobby has commandeered many more dates on the calendar for their wayward purposes. As my next guest recently highlighted, there are at least 24 international LGBTQIA plus awareness days in addition to Pride Month. Now, some of these days are Drag Day, Pronoun Day, uh, Trans Awareness Week and Month, and Transparency Day. I mean, there's just no end to it. No other subject known to humanity has been afforded such a Salute on our yearly calendar as the LGBTQIA plus XYZ. Um, you know what this tells me is that, you know, if you look at someone's calendar, it tells you their priorities or their preoccupation. And you look at where what we're doing as a nation, I would say that at least for the political class, this is our preoccupation and where we've placed our priorities, which is why. We have so many problems, in my view. Well, here to discuss this is Dr. Jennifer Bowen. She is FRC's director of the Center for Family Studies. She's a former professor of research methods and a doctor of clinical social work. Jennifer, welcome to the program. Hi, Tony. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk about, I want to play a clip here first before we get started, because uh, last week was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was Trans Week. Or was it Trans Day within the Trans Week, or I can't keep up with it? It was the week before, but it just kept rolling okay. on. Well, it was, yeah, because last week they were continuing to talk about it. And uh, Jen Psaki, uh, of course, what's happening in Florida with the Parental Rights and Education Bill has uh, given uh, some rise to this. But uh, I want to play this clip of uh, Jen Psaki, White House Press Secretary, uh, talking about... Uh, the life-saving care for transgender youth. Play clip eight, please. Every major medical association agrees that gender-affirming health care for transgender kids is a best practice and potentially life-saving. All right. Every major medical association agrees. Now, I, I actually probably, I, I probably wouldn't refute that statement. So I'm going to ask you this question, Dr. Bowens, is... 
does the science support this gender-affirming health care for transgender kids that's being put forward in terms of surgeries and hormone-blocking drugs? Well, at the risk of sounding snarky, um, I think what's happening right now is you have big medical groups, big mental health groups, um, big pharma. You have all these big thing entities that are basically um, doing Jedi tricks. They think they identify as Jedi warriors, and they can just wave their hand and say, the science is good. And the science is not good. Um, all you have to do is unpack it just a little bit, and we can begin to see how poor the science is to support such a invasive physiological issue. So do they, do they not think that people on the other side of this debate, do they think they don't look at the science or that they can't read? I think so. Um, when you That's look the at arrogance. They can just throw this out there. The science says... And they they think no one will question them. Well, certainly the media doesn't question them. Right. And you have um, big medical groups like American Pediatrics that where 80% of their membership is saying, we want something other than hormone treatments for our patients. But the top echelon of the, those medical groups is saying, no, this is affirming care. This is saving lives. And it's built on a lie. But has that become political within those associations where – these advocacy groups have commandeered these associations? Yeah, it, it really has become political. And the other issue to think about is this whole ideology is built on social constructivism, which basically says there is no truth, that truth is elusive, and you can believe what you want to believe, you can identify how you want to identify. And so when you hold that position, of course you're not going to be wedded to being truthful with the science as well. But, but isn't that a slippery slope? I mean, from a, I mean, you're a social worker. I mean, you you studied the impact of sociology and and thinking collectively as a society. If we jettison truth in this area, which is fixed by 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 biology, mm-hmm. science, if we if we jettison that, what's next? Yeah, exactly. We're in trouble. And this is where, you know, we get back to the Bible, says truth has fallen in the streets, you know, and we need to pick up truth again. And um, for those who are caught up in this ideology, you have to think, where does it end? Today you could identify as the opposite sex, but what about tomorrow? If we think that gender fluidity is real, then why why would that shift from one moment to the so, next? Uh, um, well, let me... Let me um Let me play another clip. This is from last week, uh, testimony before the House Committee on Education and Labor, uh, Secretary, I think this was Secretary Becerra, uh, and this was uh, Congresswoman Mary Miller asked uh, this question. Clip number nine, please. Is it child abuse to perform a sex change operation on a 12-year-old girl? Yes or no? I'm not going down that rat hole with you. Well, unfortunately, I think the Biden administration has taken us all down that rat hole with their policies. But these procedures, a surgery, a sex change operation, you can't reverse that. No, you can't reverse it. And there's no evidence that um, cross-sex hormones or puberty blockers, that that they, they are reversible. You certainly can't reverse a surgery. I mean, that's pretty obvious. But these other interventions that they keep claiming are reversible, they're not. And we don't know what are the ramifications, uh, the psychological ramifications of delaying puberty for a child. Um, Do we know the physical ramifications either? Because, I mean, this is relatively new where we're we're doing this. I mean, the long-term complications of using drugs that were not intended for these purposes that are being used for this. Yeah. We don't have long-term data. either in the the physical realm or the psychological realm, but especially in the psychological realm. uh, We don't know how someone's going to be affected by taking these things over the long term because, you know, NIH isn't um, putting out grant requests for for that kind of information to be sought after. Well, that's actually another topic that I, I, I want to get to is when we look at the science, 
We're, we're not, I mean, when I, I've been here at the Family Research Council almost 20 years, and there was a time when we, we actually had debates over these topics, mm-hmm. and we presented the facts. I remember when I was in office, though, when we would adopt policy or propose policy, we would use the social science to either oppose or to support a particular policy and whatever it is. But we're seeing many on the left who are trying to stop academic research that, quite frankly, they can't defend their policy, so they want to shut down any type of uh, scientific, social, uh, empirical data that's being gathered and presented. Yes, and we see that all the time by the lack of grant requests for issues like, what are the, what are the experiences of detransitioners? Um, we don't know. There are very few studies. And what we do see in that case is that um, I, I want to say like 57% said that uh, of those who detransitioned said they had an inadequate mental health evaluation. 40% said they felt pressure from their mental health provider. So we don't, you can see why um, this kind of data is being squelched because that's that's the truth. That's um, That's the reality that goes against the transgender ideology and um, and it needs to be seen so that people can make informed decisions about their care. Well, just taking a couple of aspects of that, most children moving through what I, it's kind of like to me, it's kind of like the uh, uh, you know, the reentry when you're coming in out of space, there's this blackout you kind of lose connection with the rest of society and you're mm-hmm. questioning all of these things, but upwards of 80% uh, come out of that, and they revert to normal. Uh, mm-hmm. They go back to how they were created to be, that the questions are answered, they work through those issues. Uh, is that not correct? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So if we would just leave these kids alone, they would find out who they are, which is what we all go through when we're developing, we're trying to figure out who we are. And so then you throw this ideology into the mix. It's really, it's unfair and a, and a big portion of these kids have experienced abuse. Right. Not all of them, but um, so you just throw in a lot of different thoughts that are unnecessary for for a very vulnerable age. Um, so you combine that with what we're seeing in public policy. Okay, you've got these kids that are questioning. So we have states that are passing um, prohibitions against getting counseling. So that if they're having these questions, they can't. Even, their parents, in some cases, like California, can't even take them to a counselor to to discuss this. And we're talking about mm-hmm. talk therapy, if you will, just mm-hmm. talking through this and, and thinking through this before they make a decision. So you have some prohibiting them from having conversations about whether or not this is good for them. Then mm-hmm. on the other side, you have those pushing this idea that, oh, you need to you need to start these hormone blockers, or you need to consider this sex change operation. I mean, this is, I'm just going to say this is demonic in its approach to what it's doing to our children. Yeah, when you shut down any kind of discussion or discovery of what what the root issues are, one, you're delaying treatment. So not only are you doing harm by initiating a child into these practices, but you're doing harm because you're delaying the real source of what's going on with this child. And, and then you're unnecessarily interfering and introducing their bodies as well as their psyches to a whole horrible <laughs> outcome. Um, and we don't know what's the, what the fruit of this is going to be over the long term with a whole generation of kids introduced to this. Now, one of the justifications that the, the left uses for this is that um, – you know, we see high rates of suicide among these um, young people and that this is the solution to that. But, again, the social science and the statistics don't back that up. No, they don't back it up at all. And, um, and I would say that's not just true of suicide. It's true of mental health. So we, we can't forget that the whole um, – Gender-affirming therapy is supposed to address the issue of gender dysphoria, which is a diagnosis in the DSM, um, the Diagnostic Diagnostic Manual for um, Mental Disorders. And there is no way that you can even 
determine whether or not the effect of these hormones, surgeries, which incidentally should all be assessed individually, and they're kind of treated as this package. Um, so we don't know. It's not nuanced enough in the research. But for one, the, the research methods alone do not allow us to make some kind of causal link that these surgeries are having, or hormones are having an impact on gender dysphoria, or men, which would be a mental health issue, right. or suicide for that matter. So, Dr. Bowens, let's, let's talk practically for just a moment here, because we're seeing this, it's, it's really kind of a social contagion mm-hmm. that we're seeing through social media and in our schools, that this is kind of the thing that's being pushed on kids, and they're going down, in some cases, these irreversible courses. What can parents be doing to... Number one, looking for the signs. Number two, how do they address it and approach it with their their son or their daughter? Well, I think one thing is to stay open in your communication with your child. Um, Ask them what they're learning in school. Ask them what they're hearing from their peers. Um, I think sometimes parents are so busy and with work and then social media and um, checking Facebook, I, I've heard that so many times, and I think it's so important that we're aware of what's going on with our children. Um, but also to be in communication with these schools. We know um, some of our other coworkers here at FRC are doing great work on the education front, and we know some of the things that are getting, fortunately getting yeah. exposed right now. Yeah. So remain aware and be active um, with your child's schooling. And, and here's one thing from a a lot of Christian parents feel guilt. I mean, if a, if a child chooses to go down this path and, and they say, well, I've got to love my child. Well, certainly you love them, but there's this conflating of love and affirmation. You, you, we can't affirm every choice. We have to point our children in the right direction, but we love them regardless yes. of what they might do. But that doesn't mean we have to affirm every choice they make. Right. That's right. And, a lot of times we want to um, just do what the doctors tell us or what the schools tell us, but this is not, I can tell you, this is not going to be a path that's helpful for your child. In the end, their brains aren't even developed enough to make these kinds of decisions. They can't even vote <laughs> at yeah. the ages that some of these kids are being introduced to this ideology. Um, so, you know, I think keeping that in mind, that they don't really know what they want. And remember what you were like when you were a child. You yeah, and unfortunately, you know, parents have been made uh, in this culture to f- seem as if they're not relevant. Mm-hmm. But actually, the, the studies we don't have time to go into it show that, that children really do want to hear from their parents. They want mm-hmm. that guidance from their parents. Nothing can be more influential in the life of a child than an engaged, loving parent. That's right. Dr. Jennifer Bowens, thanks so much for, uh, for being with us. Thanks Great for to having talk me. with you. And, folks, I encourage you to check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there. But, I, again, parents want to encourage you, be the parent. Be the parent that God has called you to be. Be engaged in the life of your child. And the truth, seek out the truth and encourage your children to do the same. Stand against the culture. The culture has never been headed in the right direction. All right, folks, until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 